Yeah. <clears throat> yes, 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 yes. I do love you, church. I love you. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're with us in person or online, wherever you happen to be. Uh, we happen to be in the middle of a study of the book of Mark. And um, what we're basically learning, essentially what it is, is uh, that life is a test. And we get to uh, see how this test is worked out through the remarkable life of Jesus. Uh, we come alongside him, and we learn a little bit about how it is we work our way through this life, which is a struggle. And today, in Mark chapter 4, um, we're learning about listening. We started this conversation last week, what it, what it means to listen. If you search the web for, uh, <laughs> you could just do the word listen, or good listening, or the necessity of listening, you, you're going to discover uh, and find a barrage of support and evidence for what you intuitively already know to be true. And that is that listening is critically important uh, for accomplishing really anything. Anything. You, if, you don't, if you don't listen, you can't fix anything. You can't uh, care very well for anybody. You can't accomplish anything. There's really very little of importance you can do that doesn't begin with listening. It's just, we we get it. No one would deny how important listening is. If if you don't listen, relationships crumble. Families divide. Uh, Teams cannot stay together if they don't listen to each other. Nations fall apart. The world goes to war. If there is no listening. But, but with listening, with listening, when we do listening, uh, when we do hear, when we do listen, <clears throat> what can come is understanding. And if, if understanding comes, then um, some connection can happen. And if connection happens, then love can happen and Peace can come about. The most important things of life begin with listening, and life itself flourishes when we listen. It seems to me that everybody intuitively understands the need and the power of listening. But if you search listening and you search your own heart, you'll discover something else that is equally true about listening. We're bad at it. We're really, really bad at it. We don't don't listen well. We just don't. Even when we're trying, studies show that we can retain somewhere between 10 and 25% of what we hear when we're trying. We don't listen. And, and the reasons for that are many. We live, in a, we live in a time and a space where our attention span has been damaged, straight up. We live in the midst of stimulation overload, People are still buying this myth of multitasking. There, there is no such thing. You, do, you can really only do one thing well if you focus. We've got uh, confirmation bias. You heard that phrase, confirmation bias? The, the, everyone has this. We have a tendency to filter what we're hearing through a bias and hear 
only and mostly what we want to be true. We, we have a way of listening that is biased toward confirming what we want to hear. Then we've got character deficiencies. We feel threatened by other people. We feel threatened by what they know and what they're saying. We, we, we get anxious and, and concerned about whether or not I'm going to sound as smart as they do. We uh, uh, become condemning while we're listening. We are selfish while we're listening. Do you know that the, uh, the smarter you are, the less you listen? <laughs> Intellectual ability is indirectly proportionate to listening because we think we know everything. Good listening is built on this. The assumption, catch this, good listening is built on the idea that who I'm listening to deserves to be heard. Right? They, deser- I, they deserve to be heard. They, I, I respect, love, appreciate this person. They deserve to be heard. Listening begins there uh, along with this other thing, which is what they're saying, I need to hear. <laughs> you think about that? If the person you're listening to, you respect and you think they need to be heard and you have the perspective that I need to hear this, then listening has a chance. And so it would only make sense and does make sense that the father and the son would say, listen to me, which you can find riddled throughout the scriptures. God, the father, God, the son is always saying, listen to me. Because? Who deserves to be heard more than the creator and the savior? If part of listening is declaring that the person who's talking deserves to be heard, who deserves to be heard more than God? And who needs to hear from God more than me? So God rightly says, listen. To not listen to God is a slap in the face that says, I don't respect you and I don't need you. Are you with me? When we don't listen to God, we're saying, who are you to talk to me and I don't need you? And that is precisely why God almost always equates listening with a very hard line in the sand that separates people from him. When, when Jesus talks about listening, when, you, when God speaks through his prophets and through his psalmists and through all the writings in the Old Testament, he says, listen, and if you don't, I don't know you. It's a pretty hard line. So here we are in, in, in Mark chapter 4. Last week, uh, we focused on this command, this word, listen, and how it is a bid for connection, right? If the hard line says, if you don't listen, you're over there, then the opposite of that is, if you do listen, you get relationship 
So when God says, listen, when Jesus says, listen, here, he's inviting us in. Even the mystery we said that comes along, some of the lack of clarity that comes along with the things that God says and the things that Jesus says is an invitation to lean in and understand and learn. We talked about the word Shema. This word, this Hebrew word that means, is translated listen, but has much broader meaning. When God says listen, he doesn't simply mean pick up the sound waves. He means try to understand and then do something. And from God's perspective, if you listen but do not do, you haven't listened. You haven't listened. Where not listening is a disaster, listening is a door to relationship with God. This week, we're diving into the parable itself. We, 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 barely got, we barely touched the surface on this last week. We're diving into the, 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 uh, the parable itself. And we're going to see uh, the negative result of not listening and, and what's required when we have not listened and the multiplying goodness that comes from listening. So I'm going to give you a summary. I'm not going to read through the first five, six verses because Jesus repeats them when he explains it. So let me just give you the big picture. He starts with listen exclamation point. And then he talks about how the seed of a farmer is sown on the path, it falls onto the pathway. It falls into the rocks. It falls into the thorns and it falls into good soil. And there are things that happen differently as a result of where the seed falls. In one instance, the birds come up and eat it. In another, the sun comes up and scorches it. In another, uh, among, it, it grows up among the thorns, but it gets, it gets uh, choked out by the thorns. And in the final situation where it falls on soft and good soil, um, there is multiplication. When he's done speaking the parable, he says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Which means whoever has ears, let them do more than hear. This is what Jesus is asking. He's saying, can you hear what I'm saying? Then do something about it. So let's look into the explanation that Jesus gives. The parable of the sower. It starts like this. The farmer sows the word. And we don't even get five words into this, and we have to stop. The farmer sows the word. So what are we to understand and hear here? When, when Jesus talks about word, it, for, in fact, when the gospels, when the, the phrase the word comes up, what does it mean? What's it mean to you? Um, and I think, this, I think this perspective belongs largely to Western Christians. If I say to you, what is the word? You would say probably what? The Bible, Right? In this particular case, Jesus isn't referring to the Bible. And when the Gospels say the word, it's not referring to the Bible per se. It's referring specifically to the Gospel, the good news that Jesus came to share. The word is the idea that the Son of God came to earth, was anointed the messenger of God, lived this perfect life of trust, became the rescuer of souls through the uh, work of, of uh, forgiveness and, and, and then even particularly his resurrection. When, when we talk about the word, we're talking about Jesus and what he's done on the cross and through the grave and for the souls of all people. This is the gospel, the good news of Jesus, forgiveness, not by works, but by grace. That is the word. That is what was being preached. So, when the gospel goes forth, 
Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes, takes away the word that was sown in them. When you don't listen, when we don't understand, when we don't do according to God, other influences creep in or storm into our life with messages that tickle our ears and teach the wrong things and the bad things and shape our behavior in ways that are contrary to God's design. When we don't fully listen, understand, and do according to what God says, then we end up doing according to some other message. If I say, don't touch the edge of this table, it's very sharp. It will cut you. Or, or don't touch uh, this uh, front of this panel because it's very hot and it will burn you. If you listen to me, you won't get cut, you won't get burned. If you don't listen to me, you will listen to another voice that will say what? I think I'm going to touch that. I think I want to touch that. I don't think it'll cut me. It probably won't cut me. I'm going to think, oh, it's not really hot. It's not hot. I don't think it's hot. I'm going to touch it. There's another message that's going to sweep in, and you're going to listen to that message. How susceptible are you to competing wrong, potentially evil messages, promises, aspirations, instead of evil, call it not godly. How quickly can you be shifted from the gospel of Jesus to the gospel of the world? Are you are even aware of those pressures and those potential shifts? I, I would imagine you are a little at least. How, how can you discover where you are listening to the wrong message? Well, if you have ears, Listen. Pray, read scripture, connect with God and discover. Do you have ears? Others, others like seeds sown on, are like seeds sown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy. Uh, that means sincerely. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. When you do listen, if you do listen, but you don't understand, you haven't taken the invitation to lean in, to learn more deeply, to understand what you've just heard. You hear it, you take it in, you're happy about it, but you don't develop any kind of conviction. And you don't do anything. You don't build practice that build habits. If you just listen and enjoy what you heard, and even believe what you heard, but you don't lean in to relationship with God. You don't lean into understanding what it means to follow Jesus and how we go about this test of life, and you don't put into practice what you've heard. The joy of the gospel is easily dislodged by difficulty. 
Jesus is probably looking at a crowd while he's teaching, and he can recognize that there are some that are nearby. They are publicly associating with him. They might even identify as a follower of Jesus. For us, it would be a a Christian, right? But when they're pressed, they can't persevere. When someone says, you don't actually believe all that resurrection stuff, do you? Pearly gates, golden roads, virgin birth, eternal life, heaven, free pass for your moral failures. You don't really, really? Oh, you're using, you're using God as a crutch. You're wasting your one free morning listening to somebody talk about a socially outdated book. What happens in the midst of those pressures? If we don't have conviction and we don't have practice, we don't have roots and we easily fall away. It's a shallow commitment. No depth of investment. No substance that comes from practice. Can you relate to that? The difficulties cause you to walk away from the gospel. Uh, Some of us, for sure. Do you have ears? Do you have ears? Others are like seeds sown on among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And this isn't a, so this isn't about shallowness. There's, there's actually roots taking place here. The problem is there's other stuff growing here. <laughs> there's other things taking root in, in this space. There's other things that are competing for the heart. They're they're competing values. This sin is not about a lack of root. This is about the grip and the allure of other things. We are enticed with wrong priorities, and those things provide oftentimes Uh, temporary highs, and false promises. Those other things play on our fears of uh, a lack of control, and they they drive away faith. Um, A lot of these these, uh, allures and these vanities, they they are addictive options that, that dull the pains of the realities of life they do. They can dull it. It's a temporary escape. But, it, but, but it, they also strangle the soul. They strangle the soul. These are, these are dub, this is double-mindedness, as Jesus would call it. You got one foot in each kingdom. Yeah, I'm a believer. I'm rooted in that. But I have these other things that are kind of my backup plan and what really gives me my whatever, attempting, attempting to serve two masters. But we typically underestimate the power and the grip of these alternatives. And our life choices end up bearing out who the true master is. You can just look at the distribution of your time, uh, your energy, um, your uh, generosity or greed, depending on how you want to look at it. What does that look like? Um, the, 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 the level to which we are self-absorbed, how important the successes and the achievements of this life are. You can look at the way life works its way out and you can see that you're in the grip of the thorns. 
Is that, is that you? Is that some of us for sure? Is it you? Do you have ears? So others are like seeds sown on good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Jesus is saying here, if you, if you incline your ear and you have the courage and the humility to listen and you devote yourself to understanding and the practice of what you've heard, then an abundance begins to come to you and to come forth from your life. When you listen to God, you lean into relationship, you follow Jesus, and you put into practice, which involves failing to put it into practice, and forgiveness, and then putting into practice, right? We're, we're building habits, and we're leaning in, and we're trusting God, and we're coming back. We end up living life uh, closer to the way it is supposed to be. And what we've heard and what we understand and what we do begins to shape and transform our heart and flow out of our heart. And because of that, others find their way back to God and into transformation and into multiplication themselves. It's a beautiful picture of life invigorating the person and flowing out. Those are the four ways and four places that the seed falls. What are, what are you hearing? What kind of soil are you? What kind of falls off the path? quickly taken away by other enticements or, or, or the rocky space where, where it starts to come up, but, but difficulty and persecution cause you to step away from it or, or all the competing values of the, the, the life we live in dividing you. Can you think, do you have ears to hear God whispering to you where the, where the issue is? Or, or do you find yourself defensive of this kind of teaching? Do you find yourself thinking uh, more quickly of someone else and the, 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 the kind of bad soil that they are, right? Do you think, oh, I, I get it, I got this. this none of this, is, this really affects me. I can see pretty clearly. I can hear. I know what's going on. And this is where Jesus' illustration and his words suggest that really any lasting recovery from the stuff that ails us in life is a humble admission that I need to hear what I haven't heard and that we need to believe God about what I don't want to be true Any, any kind of new trajectory in life, any, any, 
any kind of uh, life that finds a new path that can start to separate from uh, addictions or to begin to recover from what has stolen life from you always begins with some humble listening and recognition. I had a friend years ago that uh, went away for six weeks to a recovery, uh, intensive recovery space, and he said the first two weeks was him going, I don't really see the problem. And his counselor going, yeah. How, how are you when you're questioned, when you're corrected or accused? What happens to you when someone goes, hey, what was that about? Hey, that probably wasn't a good idea. That's a pretty good indication of how you're interacting with God, of how you interact with others who bring something up to you. Do you go, oh, wow, hmm, maybe I should look at that. There's a proverb that just nails it. This is in Proverbs 9. It says, do not rebuke mockers. They will hate you. Another translation says, don't try to tell a fool where he's wrong. They're just going to kick you in the teeth. But if you rebuke a wise man, they will love you. Why? Well, the wise are humble at heart. The wise understand that they don't know anything and that they need help. So when you rebuke a wise man, even if you are wrong and you rebuke a wise man, a wise man is going to say, okay, let me figure it, let me see. How much of your day and your conversations are spent trying to understand what God said? How much, how much of your time do you spend meditating on a scripture in order to get it? How much do you strategize the kinds of actions that you feel God wants you to take where Jesus might be leading you, how the gospel should be playing out in your life and what scripture's telling you to do. How much time do we spend on that stuff? Consider your time and, and your talent and your, and your resources and look at them and see if the distribution lean toward others or God's direction or whether they... are used primarily for yourself. Do you have ears? If you do, you'll do more than hear. You'll seek God, you'll follow Jesus, you'll understand and you'll obey. Well, what do we do? <laughs> what do we do? This is hard to, to say any other way. We need to listen. We need to humbly listen. So let me, let me give you some time to do it. I'm going to invite you into just a minute, a minute and a half, just, just listening. Tammy's going to play. That always makes it easier. Jesus helps us take the first step of true hearing. He spells it out. It's a tough one. 
This is what he says in between the parable and the explanation of the parable. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Here's the line in the sand right here. If you hear but never understand and obey, you'll never know God. You'll never enjoy peace and destruction will be your end. But if you do hear and you do understand, your first action will be recognition of the depravity of self. And by God's grace, you, you, would, you might have the humility to receive it and to be forgiven. This is the exact process that Isaiah went through. You can look in Isaiah chapter 6, and you see this very thing working itself out. Isaiah suddenly realizes God is above all things. He thought it was something else. He was depending on something else. It goes away, and then God is there. And what does he do? He just falls on his face, and he says... I'm not worthy. And he says, but I'm ready to do. I see now, I hear now, I, I confess, I receive your forgiveness. Send me. And God says, I will. And he says this, go tell his people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of his people callous, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see, hear, understand, and turn and be healed. This is the exact stuff that Jesus is quoting that is being recorded in Mark chapter 4. It comes from Isaiah. It's the same message. Go to the people. And you're going to discover one of two things. They hear, but they don't understand, and they don't do. And those people are separated from me. And there are those who hear and respond and understand and turn and be forgiven. All through the Bible, we see this pattern from Isaiah to Paul to Peter. Suddenly, we hear. And our first action is to follow our knees and confess and receive the forgiveness of God. The first step is to realize the bad dirt that we've been, to confess it, to find grace, to seek, to lean in, to understand, and to do. So let me ask you to just take a moment for yourself, whether that means to bow your head or to close your eyes, but let me, let me just give you a moment with you and Jesus and tell you these things as you listen. Jesus came and he endured the test of human life. He perfectly demonstrated the life of faith. He suffered the way we suffer. He was tempted in the ways we're tempted. But unlike us, he passed through without failure, an utterly undiminished faith. He lived life precisely as it was supposed to be. He listened to the Father only and always and obeyed in every way. 
He knows how difficult it is and how bad we are at listening, but he invites us every day to humbly listen, to lean in, to understand, and to walk with him, to enjoy his forgiveness, and to flourish. In a way, the ball is in your court to flourish. And it always starts right here with humility and listening. And maybe right now, you just need to hear Jesus say, I forgive you. Wherever you are, spend a minute listening. Because you do have ears. The question always remains, will you hear?